Welcome to season two of the Pines and Perspectives podcast hosted by Wellhouse Church. This show understands that there is quite a bit of diversity amongst the body of Christ. So we operate according to the motto that certain things are fixed, like the essentials of faith, and the best beer is served on tap, while everything else is just a matter of perspective. Hey, welcome to my house. This is Pints and Perspective. What's up, beer lovers? Did I do it right? You did fine. My name's Adam. This is Cullen, uh, not Clayton. Uh, and sorry, he's going to get shout outs from me for, I don't know, maybe the foreseeable future per, forever into, into perpetuity. Right. Um, yeah. but you, you might notice that there's a background change cause you're in my house. So, uh, I'm now in charge of this podcast. So we're going to discuss, um, belly buttons. Specific- did, did Adam and Eve have them? Yes. Did they? What do you think? <laughs> Why did they need them? I don't think they had them if they're real people, which Isn't I'm not it, sure they are. Well, see, that's the thing. If they're going to be progenitors of an entire like global species, yeah. I mean, I would assume they had them. But if Adam was made out of dirt, he didn't need an umbilical lifeline, right. which is why you have a belly button in case you didn't know that. Uh, <laughs> this is also a biology podcast. A, uh, what, third grade biology? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's not insult the viewers, okay? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? All right? Who knows? I guess that's fair. What are you drinking today, uh, Cullen? The same thing you're drinking. All right. Um, Twinsies. This episode will come out. We're recording it not anywhere near close to when it'll come out, but this will come out. Because um, we're ahead of the game. Because yes. we do work. Yes. Because, because we're, on, uh, we're on it. Because we're on our shit? Yeah. No, it's because we both have too much shit, and we have to do things in advance. I also like just, you know, beating deadlines. It's like a game I play with my life. Yeah, I've got too many deadlines. I don't feel like I can ever beat them and get so far ahead. Mm, but anyway. for you. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, so this episode will come out on the 29th, and so we thought it'd be a cool uh, deal to feature uh, all the different Oktoberfests throughout the month of October that we can get our hands on. And so, uh, to launch, we are going to premiere uh, Shiner, which, if you didn't know, Shiner is actually not the name of the brewery. That's exactly right. Um, is the Spotsil Brewery That's in right. Shiner, Texas. Shiner, Texas. Um, but it is one of the like largest, most Texas-famed breweries yeah. um, in Texas. Started in 1909. I think it, there is something about like the first the first macro brewer in Texas, or I don't know. They have some claim to fame. Yeah, but when you're from Texas and drink beer, Shiner is on every shelf and every tap. Yep, yep, yep. And so this is their Oktoberfest. It seemed fitting. Um, I think we've both had this beer before. I'm definitely, sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, but it is seasonal, so it only comes around, you know, once a year. Yeah, but they do give a pretty good uh, synopsis yeah. of what Oktoberfest is every September. Yeah, so uh, it might be helpful if you're not if you're new to the game about Oktoberfest. It says every September, millions of people around the world gather in Munich to celebrate Oktoberfest. With a name like that, you'd think it'd start a month later. But hey, but hey, it's tradition. It's tradition. And if you can't be there in person, you can be there in spirit with this classic brew made from Munich and caramel malts along with German brown, Hollerta, tradition, and Hersbrucker. Yeah, it's all German to me. Uh, hops. Now fill your stein. Uh, yeah, so Oktoberfest is a drinking festival. Right. And there is a specific type of beer that comes out for October 
uh, fest, and it is called the Oktoberfest. It is an Oktoberfest lager style beer, and this is Spotsville Brewery in Shiner, Texas version of that. There you go. Cheers, buddy. Cheers. Clink. Tastes like an Oktoberfest. Malty, a little um, a little earthy. Yep. Uh, it's got definitely tastes like a Shiner. So all Shiner beer has like a very distinct Shiner flavor. Um, it's because of the base of their Bach. Yeah, exactly. So the Shiner Bach, or yeah, the, the Bach um, is a specific type of lager. And it is actually a style of lager that's very close to an Oktoberfest. That is also why you're picking it up. But one of the things that Shiner does is Shiner uses their base malt for their Bach in everything. Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. it's like their base for their beginning stage for everything. And, and then, then they o- add on or take away from that. Yeah, and this is very malt forward. I mean, that is kind of the deal with Oktoberfest. Um, the thing that I love about the Shiner Oktoberfest, and it's gonna get it's gonna get like a six, eight, seven score from me. It's like it's gonna be a middle of the road, very good Oktoberfest. But the thing that I like about it, because this will also people can try to get real cute with Oktoberfest, <laughs> real cute, and they make them way too sweet. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Uh, Shiner is not fooling around with that. Right. Uh, it's just a good, like, if you're just looking for the afternoon, Saturday, college football, oct- middle of October beer, like, a six-pack of Shiner is never a bad way to go. It's so true. For the Oktoberfest. I just love this time of year. It's like the time, of, it's it's when I come alive. And there are so many things about autumn that, you know, football, obviously, is a big one. Weather change, obviously, yeah. is a big one. But yeah, it was also 68 beer. degrees this morning. I know, but also beer. Beer. It's great. Yeah. It, this is the time of year to drink beer. This is definitely the time of year to drink beer. Lots of good things. Um are happening and coming out because this is also leading up to Thanksgiving. You yeah. know, we get the pumpkinators. That's right. Those pumpkin style beers start coming out, and we live in Houston, and so the St. Arnold pumpkinator comes around. I'm not a big fan, but we'll. I mean, yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I uh, I, I, I bring I, back. I cannot even look at bring right back Clayton. <laughs> it literally won beer of the year. Yeah, you know, I'm sure it did. Okay. <laughs> I, did, I cannot even with you right now. Well, cheers to Shiner. Cheers to Texas. Cheers to Germany. I don't know. Here we go. Um, cheers, cheers to, to heaven. heaven. <laughs> <laughs> Two peas, one pod. Yeah. Uh, yes. So it is time to have some kind of conversation about heaven. Um, and I think the best way to do this would be to... There's a famous uh, series by Zondervan... Uh, that a is publisher. The, did, yeah, did the Zon- people know what the hell Zondervan is? Yeah, that's a great point. Um, it's a, it's a publisher, and they do their primary publishing is uh, theology uh, and Bible history and hermeneutics, and specifically more academic. Academic, yeah. Predominantly moderate to conservative leaning. Uh, they bought Thomas Nelson, which right, was super right. conservative. Right. Um, so yes, the that is who they are. But they have a series that I really appreciate. It's called the Counterpoint series. Oh, yeah. Because it's like um, X amount of views on X topic. Yeah. There's like eight or nine volumes in it. Um, and they're one on heaven. They have four different like traditional views of heaven. Tra- tradition. When you say traditional, you mean Christian tradition or what is yeah, the tradition? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it would, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it would be, 
I think their counterpoint series, it's the four mainstream understanding okay. of heaven for Christian tradition. Okay. Okay. Got it. Um, and I think we should probably start with the one that neither one of us are most familiar with. Great. The Catholic beatific vision. Okay. Got it. Um, basically what it is. And so the reason it's a little different is because Catholic faith is meritorious. You have what? To, what is that word? Meritorious. I don't, I don't, you've, you've stumped me. What, 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 like a meritocracy. No, like merit based. Merit based. Okay. Go ahead. Yes. Yeah. Meritorious grace. Meritorious grace. Grace is earned. Okay. Got it. So. And so because of that, heaven is this reward. Okay. Um, and so it ends up being this like beautiful vision. It begin. It's this like uh, experience of reward. There's lots of lavish like understandings of beauty. And that's where you get like gold streets in heaven. And like, all, mm. like it is the beatific, the beautiful vision that we've been waiting for. Okay. Um, a future hope of beauty. Yeah, well, everybody would have that, but the merit ex experience of the Catholic one yeah, yeah, is yeah. a little different because you also have to go, like, purgatory in the Catholic is not, like, what purgatory is for me. Like, purgatory for them is you, like, really working your shit out with, like, some fire. It hurts. Like, uh, there's some punishment. You're earning that shit. Oh, but that's not purgatory for you. Oh, no. It, you're not earning anything. You're just working it out for funsies. No, just because it's one of the things you got to do. It's like just one of those things you got to do. It's like Spend time it's like it's like if the prodigal son story was happening in 2022. Okay, it'd be like, hey, bro, home. You like welcome. Let's throw the big party. Do all this shit. But uh, on Monday. That family therapy office, yeah, we're going to be there. <laughs> wow. Uh, that's purgatory. You're you just should, working uh, your shit out. You should write a version of the Bible, the Cullen version, and just, you know, modern day examples of all these. All right, we're getting off track here. Okay, so heaven. So that's so, one, the beatific vision. That's one. It's, it's my doctrine. least favorite, if I'm being honest. Oh, sorry, Catholics. Um, well. You know, the, there's there's something about this Shiner beer that makes me just want to keep drinking it, like every sit. Like it leaves a flavor on your palate that makes you want more. It's like a Pringles can. Once you pop it, you just can't stop it. Yeah, I've already had almost half of mine. And it's ten thirty in the morning. Proceed. Yes, this is also why we picked these two because they are the lowest <laughs> ABV. Lighter ABV. Yes. Um, Sorry, I totally interrupted you. But it is a fine. beer podcast. So go ahead. it is. It is equally beer and theology. Um. That's not true. It's like 25 75. 25% beer. Comment below. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we spend way more time talking about theology than we talk about beer. Yeah, we'll see about that. <laughs> so the Catholic one is my least favorite because so much of it is based on the merit of grace Works. and earning your way there. It takes away the beauty of the experience for me. Okay. Um, it's just not... It's not as much of a vibe, I don't think. So now let's get into the three like more Protestant ones that okay. us and our viewers might be more familiar with. I'm not protesting anything, so. <laughs> Facts. Uh, the traditional view. When I say the traditional view of heaven, Adam Cheney, what does your mind think? Uh, well, what immediately comes to mind is like a pop culture, um, illustration of heaven. And for some reason in my brain, that is the Simpsons. Um, <laughs> so yeah, clouds, 
gold streets, mansions, um, some sort of like uh, uh, like waterfall situation, maybe rainbows, uh, a very old, white, bearded, supreme being who is a little mean and ambivalent but still welcoming uh there's there's peter there's a uh, saint peter guarding the gates sitting yep. on some sort of like uh a, a pedestal at the front gate the pearly gates i believe because i guess they're made out of pearl or yeah sure um as They've if at least got pearls on the top of their gold as if heaven needed physical gates but um <laughs> yes because if you're there you're there i don't know uh yeah, is that what we're looking for? Yeah, okay, that's the traditional go. view of heaven. Um, Thank you, Homer. <clears throat> yeah, it's so funny that the Simpsons are your reference point for that. But yeah, uh, that's the traditional view of heaven. I think that's how most um, Protestant Christians view it. I think that's assuredly how most evangelical Christians view it. It's definitely, to get a little bit more serious, it's definitely um, distant. Right? Yeah, it's yeah, some, yeah. It's, it's ethereal. It's ethereal. It's, it's some other place. It's not here it's not the earth which i think is probably where we're getting to um and it is otherworldly only spiritual maybe there's harps well there's definitely traditionally it's like sitting around singing kumbaya like kumbaya my lord yeah it's definitely singing around worshiping Isn't God Swahili? is Kumbaya Swahili comment no below idea. what is what is Kumbaya as if there were this powerful tool in my pocket where I could just find that out but go ahead it's true we'll never know um so yes that is the traditional view of heaven unfortunately I think it's the worst view of heaven what are you saying about the Simpsons uh that it's a comic show from the 90s. The longest running uh, TV show in history. Anyways, proceed. Yeah. yeah. The worst view of heaven. Uh, Why is it the worst view of heaven, though? Because it's rooted in escapism. Oh, okay. What do you mean? Well, just the general idea that the world has gone to hell in a handbasket. So we need to get out. Yeah. Uh, like, what about the story of Christianity? Like, what about the Bible? What about that story? What about the way that God has manifested themselves throughout that story led anyone to think that the answer was leaving? Mm-hmm. When uh, God is constantly coming. <laughs> Damn. Arriving. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. there you go. Well, parousia means coming. That's yeah. what I was thinking. Parousia. That's Greek for all of you who don't know the word that he just dropped. Yeah. Parousia is the word that is most commonly referred to as like the second coming, which unfortunately most white evangelical American Christians call the rapture. Well, um, it's part of the parousia. Anyways. Well, it's not. It's a false belief. I'm saying in there. Yes. In, in, yeah. Um, but... The Perusia is a it's a coming. It is a word that was used for military royalty that when they would return from battle with a victory, a show of honor was at their Perusia, at their coming. Yeah. When they can be seen on the horizon, the city would run out to meet them and usher them home right. in like parade fashion. Ticker tape parade. This is also, might I mind you, 
This is the same shit we see from Jesus on Palm Sunday. Yeah, for sure. Like we've already seen it happen once, but because some little 12 year old girl in Scotland had a vision at a revival with Dwight L. Moody. Very specific. um, We decided that rapture theology and pre-trib and left behind was the way to do this when that shit was made up 120 years ago. I would love to do an episode on uh, eschatology. Or multiple episodes. Did well, you already do that? Technically, that's this series. Well, so. I mean, but this specific, like, the the return of Christ. Oh, it, next episode. We'll, next we'll episode, do, episode. We'll do it right after this one, because we'll do, yeah, this is the one about heaven, and I do think these tie together, because this is the way in which people think their vehicle, a lot of Christians mm. think their vehicle into heaven is, to bypass this, and this is part of my problem with the traditional view, is it is escapism. Right. Because you are bypassing the suffering which Christ told you they were coming to endure. What suffering? What are you talking about? Well, oh, just like existing of, on earth suffering? Well, just all of suffering within the experiences of death. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Human life. Well, just death in general, the experiences that come with suffering and trauma and the yeah. experience of grief and death and all the things right. that we were never supposed to experience right. and experiences of life and liberation. Unless you're a martyr. And then it's God's will for you. I don't know. Anyways, uh, sidetrack. Well, that is what hole. that is what the um, conceited, power hungry, apostolic fathers really thought. This is my dad's beef with the apostolic fathers, as he's like, all of those dudes are whack. And his <laughs> and his whole reason is because they're like so dead set they want to die. They're yeah. just convinced that if they die, if they're martyred. That they're like that. That's the epitome of the Christian life. Well, but if the epitome of the Christian life is Christ likeness, and Christ got murdered, so maybe they're onto something. I don't know. Maybe, but if you get murdered, you really can't be a benefit to society. You got to tell Jesus that. Okay, <laughs> Jesus. If if you got murdered, murdered, you're no longer can't a be. A, I cannot be a benefit to society anymore. Martyrdom is a very powerful. Anyways, now we're off on martyrdom. I'm sorry. Um, I do this. Bring back Clayton. Uh, okay, <laughs> yeah. so so okay. so that's so a terrible the traditional vision. view. Is, is I don't think idea. it's helpful. We will talk about eschatology, Perusia. We will do that episode next because I do think you're rapture. right. Rapture. Let's talk about rapture. We can do rapture theology next. Boo. Um, the second. Or, yeah, the second Protestant kind of Christian view of heaven would be the restored earth view. Okay. Um, This would be the one that it's kind of come full circle now. This would have been the one that would have been most common in patristic traditions. Okay. Um, It came full circle in what we now call New Covenant theology. Mm. Um, If anybody anybody's a Tom Wright fan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but basically what this is, is this begins to view, and as Tom Wright says, that the scriptures are one big grand drama. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that is the case, then the Bible is a story. It's, right. it's a playwright yeah, it script. Yeah. Um, and so the way stories are written is that the problem introduced in the beginning must be resolved at the end, which means that in most stories... The setting, habitat, ecosystem that you are introduced to in the very early stages is what is desirable. And so then that gets messed up. There's a long, however long process of righting that wrong and then the final redemption of that wrong. Yeah, so it's it's uh, redemptive, restorative, uh, recreative, Yep. Um, protology and eschatology are, Absolutely. are 
uh, well, the, the goal of the eschatological vision is to match your protology to the protology. Yeah. Yep. Um, I have lots of questions about that, but come do, on. But do we want to do we want to do the fourth one and then circle back, or do we want to talk? We about We can this hit one? them as we go. Okay. That's how we've done the other ones. So here's my biggest thing. So how do you square with with that vision? Because I feel like this is where you land on your vision of heaven. No, kind of. Maybe okay. Okay. Well, I want to see. I land in a mix between this one and the next one. Okay. So if if the goal is to return to the beginning, mm-hmm. um, then the, what? Okay, so then we have to. We've already talked about the beginning. So like this is. Are we talking about the progenitors walking around naked in the garden? Are we talking about like what is the beginning that we're returning to? Is it like unbroken relationship with God? So like pre-lapsarian uh, uh, state of acceptance, or are we talking about like the the physical? Because we're talking about a physical return to actual like the creative order, right? So it happens here on Earth. So like, do all the skyscrapers in downtown Houston get destroyed and replaced with like fruit trees? Or what are we returning to exactly? Are we just talking about relationship status with God? Are we talking about creation? Are we talking about like the physical inheritance of the earth returning as well or somewhere in between? This is why I say I'm somewhere in between. You're asking the same question that I was asking. I think, so what I will say is restored creation or like restored earth. Restored earth, yeah. I think would be telling you that you're returning back to a very primitive state like Adam and Eve. And okay. that basically what it is is like, but now you're not limited to the Garden of Eden. Right, the right, right. The right, entire right. creation. All of All, of, all earth. of earth is your playground to go and explore and to worship God as okay. you journey. Right. Sometimes that will be working. As you pick your food and do things, sometimes that will be, you know, whatever you are doing. Sometimes that will be exerting energy as you go swim or, you know, whatever. So you, so wait, so there's some assumptions in what you just said. So in this restored earth, we are still hungry. We still work. We still, what, sleep? Well, it goes back to the same stuff you were told to do in Genesis 1 and 2. But but pre, pre-fall... So did they need to kill things and eat them? Oh, they were just like eating fruits. Well, they were vegetarians. Vegetarians. So they so fruits and vegetables. Is so what the, the or is what the story says. Right. They're not permitted to eat animals until after Noah's flood. And it would also be like pre-death, so pre-decay. So the the heaven is a restored creation in which nothing decays anymore. Do we still make babies? That's a great question. I don't know. My guess is because we're gonna have probably a, not we're gonna have a population problem correct so my guess is probably not so animals pa- can't procreate either then i guess not so then we're not eating animals so we don't need to worry about population control there's no nope. sickness and death nope so there's just like this finite time in human history where all growth of the human species all earth-based species stop can like stop reproducing Heaven comes to earth, and we just live in that state of... Well, but let me... I don't think we stop having sex. Let me be clear. I think procreation stops. So we keep having sex. We just don't make babies anymore. I think so. Man. But, and here's what I will say. To your point about the skyscrapers. 
Yeah, and so then, like, what about inf- city infrastructure? Like, well, that's like, Revelation twenty-one and twenty-two. Do my paved streets turn to gold, or do they return to dirt? Well, no, they. I'm not sure. Nobody knows. Do. I'm not sure they do either. Um, I think they become the perfect version of what they are. Do I need a um a combustible engine? No, you didn't hear me. Heaven. <laughs> Heaven is the perfection of everything that exists. This okay. is the heavenly earth part. How do I travel across the world when I'm in heaven? Do you, or do I not travel anymore? No, you travel freely. Oh, I just fly in the air. No, 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 no. I didn't say that. What I, I mean teleport. is that you live, heaven will be a world in which, and that we should clarify this. When I say eternity, what do you think I mean by that word? Do I mean never ending time? Ooh. Well, see, I don't believe any of this. Right. I know. I know. <laughs> so, I know. But okay. So eternity would be, yeah. I mean, I think the definition of eternity is a never ending existence. Like, no. Like, okay. 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 Eternity. So you cannot think, well, as a Christian, you do a disservice to think about eternity as never ending time. Okay. Because you do a disservice to the gift of time, which is grace. Right. Which, okay. In the Christian story, if you were, you know, we were going to have this conversation about evil. Um, and we will have that conversation as we have the conversation about hell. Evil historically in the Christian tradition has been, I like been personified in this character we call Satan, the Satan, the Ha Satan for the Hebrew scholars. Um, the Hasatan. You, do you need to say the Hasatan? Because us, uh, to us, be fair, to Hebrew, be fair, yeah, us yeah. Hebrew scholars Ha-Satan. recognize that that's problematic. Hasatan. Well, <laughs> I guess yeah. To be fair, Ha is the article in Hebrew. Ha is the article. In so Hebrew. it would be right. the the. Anyway, sorry, the, that was. Yeah. Um, that's why no, I'm here. I think you do a disservice to the Christian story because the reason that Hasatan cannot be forgiven is because that character lives outside of time. Okay. And so time is a gift of grace. The fact that we are that we get every day as a new day. Mm-hmm. Life literally exists as a cycle of death and resurrection. Okay. Every day the sun dies and every morning it is resurrected again. Oh, so death is not the enemy. It's actually a part of life. Well, it's a part of current existence. <laughs> um, death is not the enemy. And so anyways, Moving forward, what happens with time is if you begin to think about heaven or eternity as this never-ending time, okay. you rob yourself of grace today. What time is, is time is a state of existence. Okay. Every moment is January 1 at noon. What? Yes, it is a state of existence. And so what happens in eternity in eternity exists forever in eternity. This is why the evil character, the Hasatan, cannot be extended forgiveness. Because what happens in eternity is a fixed state of time. It is a state of existence. So time is a gift of grace. Time does not exist in heaven or it does exist in heaven. Nope. Heaven is, or eternity, which is a realm in which heaven exists, Uh is a state of existence. It is not everlasting time. It is a singular moment that will last indefinitely. 
It is a state of being. It has no time. Does, in heaven, does the sun rise and set? No. So God right. is light. Which there is scripture that suggests that. So there will be no nighttime. So there is no sleeping. No. Because we just exist in this eternal moment that is. That is all things worship. Now, what are those? Oh, what are the things that are worshiped? So we're only worshiping in this suspended time moment thing. Yeah, but what is worship? I think working is worship. I think sex is worship when done appropriately. I think singing songs is worship. Drinking Oktoberfest. I think drinking beer with Jesus is worship. Drinking beer with Jesus. I think um, I think having poker night with the Apostle Paul. Poker night with Paul. Um, I think all of these things, because the other thing is, I don't think, I think what. Does Paul know how to play poker? I will teach his ass. Wow. He's busy uh, manning the pearly gate. No, that's Peter. <laughs> that is paul yeah um you know who this guy is who luke that's dr luke dr luke anyway sorry go ahead anyways i think um the heavenly earth yes heavenly earth is the earth. one somewhere in between restored restored earth and heavenly earth is where i'm at oh so this the, is number four we're on number four yeah this is the last one okay what's the last one heavenly heavenly earth, earth. okay and it it for me is like what Revelation twenty one and twenty two are trying to communicate. Which is what a a a habitat, an eco, an ecosystem, a place for us to live that we cannot imagine. Revelation twenty one and twenty two is the most beautiful explanation in writing of anything of the ancient world could know or dream of. Well. If you if you buy what it says about itself, it is a vision had by a man named John on an island of Patmos as he is. And the entire thing is written to seven churches right. of the ancient world. The entire thing being some rapturous vision that he's caught up into. Correct. Yeah. Um, and so I think it is. I think Revelation 21 and 22, to interpret them as you know this side, this far back, looking back, knowing what we know about Christian history, I think to look at them today and to interpret them anything less than a man having a very experiential moment for a very current people that was communicating an eternal reality, mm -hmm. to understand it anything less than the epitome of what he could dream of mm -hmm. is to do a disservice to God. And so that's why I'm not fully on board with restored earth because I, when I look at the Bible, I see a book of progress. Okay. God is constantly in progress as they navigate waters, trying to right wrongs and fight the war against evil that they are battling. Yeah. Well, I would say the evolutionary process of all created things is also progress. So, I do still want to go back to my questions. Which is what? Which is, as, I mean, humanity in the first century and humanity in the 21st century are different. Oh, 1,000%. We're so, taller. Yeah. Well, like we Just could- Just adaptation. We could list a million ways in which yeah. we're different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some good, some bad, right? Yep. Of course. For um, sure. Are we returning to 6,000 year ago Hell human no. life? Hell. Okay, 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 okay. No, no, no. When I mean progress yeah. is what, do you mean what by I it? mean. So 
Yeah. Let me communicate this. Um, Genesis 1 through 11, I call myth. Okay. I think the story of Israel begins in chapter 12 with Abram. Okay. Everything before that is oral legend. retelling of legend. Yeah. Legend. Just an accepted story of how things came to be. The the belly buttonless Adam. What it communicates is a three time a threefold parallel storytelling. Oh. Like if you look at what Genesis one through eleven is, it is a threefold parallel storytelling. It tells the same story of the way in which humanity was given a good place to pursue divine likeness. Okay. And told to mm. do that. And then there was a tempter that came in and said, What? What was the temptation of the serpent to Adam and Eve? You can be like God. You can be like God. So here's what we have. We have a people who were created for good, and they were told to do one thing, to be like God. Mm -hmm. Then we have a tempter come in and say, hey, here's another way you can be like God. You can pursue power. Same you goal, different means. Appropriateness versus inappropriate. Okay, okay. There's an appropriate way to pursue your divine likeness, and there's an inappropriate way to pursue your divine likeness. And so the serpent convinces them to pursue divine likeness in a terrible way. Um, and they pursue that divine likeness. And it's a pursuit of power throughout history. The thing that we can tell time and time and time again is that knowledge is power. Okay. The most powerful people have the most knowledge. It's just how it goes hand in hand. Mm. And so to know. Not, to be clear, not intelligence. Nope, nope, nope. Knowledge. Yeah. To know information. Not wisdom. To know things. Maybe to hold classified information in your beach house illegally. Trump reference. <laughs> yes, that. And so that journey happens two times over. The pursuit to be like God happens okay. two times over. It happens again with Noah at the end of the flood. So what we get at the end of one, yeah. at the end of three, world goes to hell in a handbasket so bad that the story says we got to start over. We got to kill everybody, start over Noah and his family. Mass genocide. Noah. God kills all the babies. Noah, in chapter nine, does the same thing that God did in chapter three. What is that? When Noah gets off the boat, what does he do? He plants a vineyard and he gets drunk. That's what God does? Nope. That's what Noah does. Okay. Noah gets so drunk <laughs> that he passes out in his tent naked. Naked. I thought it was like in nope, a stop. bitch. Oh, stop. sorry. Noah's naked. Adam and Eve are naked. Oh, look at your typology. Noah's naked. Adam and Eve are naked. Noah gets seen by his son, Ham. Uh-huh. They get seen by each other. Uh-huh. They choose to cover themselves Noah's other sons come to cover Noah. That's right. So now you have nakedness to covering, the experience of no shame to shame. Uh -huh. Noah wakes up, he shamed. feels shame, Definitely. and what does he do? He curses his Which is son. what? Which is what? So, who did? Who cursed? Well, so God did the cursing. Oh, so Noah took the role of God. So where did... Okay. Noah issued a curse, which was a fucked up curse. God never told Noah to issue that curse. In the story, God never told Noah to issue that curse. Okay. And when God issues that curse, Noah is so, or when Noah issues that curse, Noah is so mad that instead of actually cursing Ham, which 
I'm not really sure why he would have done it anyway. Cursing ham. Is that why they don't eat pigs? I guess. Sorry, that was um, not right. I apologize. I'll take it back. So when he curses ham, he doesn't actually curse ham. He curses his own innocent grandson by the name of Canaan. Dumb. Oh, and... um. Yeah, we know who Canaan is. What is the land of promise that God said? The land of milk and honey, which is Canaan. Oh, so God came in once again writing wrongs that humanity oh fucked up gosh. with trying to act like themselves. That is a wonderful typological interpretation now, of the Noah it happens again. Story. Oh, a third time. Hold on, let me guess, let me guess, let me guess. Noah, Moses? No, dude, I told you, this is Genesis 1 through 11. Oh, oh, There's oh, only oh, one sorry, story sorry, left. Sorry, 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 sorry. Uh, the Babylon Tower. That what, is, why are they building a tall, why are they building a tall tower? To be God. To be like God, mm-hmm. to be in the heavens to like the heavens. God. Yes. Time and time and time again, we see humanity trying to pursue to be like God, but in, in appropriate and inappropriate ways. But in that situation, God does the cursing again by making them like not understand each other's languages. And then God fixes it at Pentecost. Oh yes, right. This is a story, bro. Typology. Come on, keep up. So it's just the same story told over and over and over again. So what's the application? The application is that paradise is the culmination of this existence, that it is good and that all of the things that are here are still going to be there, but that the book is a book of progress. Oh, I see. So like the redemption of the current state of being. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't go backwards. No. It, is it just, has to go forward, but it's a heavenly earth and a restored earth in the way that I know that it's got to be something rooted in what God wanted in the beginning, but it has to allow for the progress that I've seen happen okay. throughout the Christian story. You just have no idea what that actually looks like. No, I think what it looks like, if I had to guess, is it looks something like what our experience is today, except without the negatives. I think um, negative. That's so subjective. I think everything that exists. I think paradise, heaven, is the experience of perfection. So you, I think whatever God deems your perfect existence and stature is how you will live. And if you live to be eighty-five and decrepit, I think when you wake up in paradise, you will go back to your pristine, like the prime example of your existence. I think everyone, I think babies that die. So everybody shows up as like a 25-year-old, like cut, nope. feral. Oh, what? Nope. Good, because if God doesn't deem that 25 cut feral was the best version of you, <laughs> some people like, let's say, C.S. Lewis. I think C.S. Lewis will be 55-year-old drinking beer and having uh, conversation in the pub all day. Whatever your perfect state of being was. Whatever your perfect existence, whatever the epitome of you and who God created you to be, that will be your person, that will be your role, that will be what you do in eternity. We're running long on time, but I have a very important question about heaven. Should we do it in the next episode, or would you like for me to do it now? Well, next episode is... We told them it's purgatory, so oh, okay. or actually rapture. We're so. gonna go long then. Well, hit me. Okay, so the Queen of England just died. R.I.P. Actually, who cares about the monarchy? Tear it down. Um, but Thanks. I was just watching. So she was just. So I know this episode's coming out later than the, the what day we're actually filming. But she was just laid in state uh, in London, um, 
And I watched the Archbishop of Canterbury, who is like the Pope for Catholics. Like, like the Archbishop of, Can- of Canterbury is to, um, uh, what am I saying? Episcopalians? No, what's that's the American version. What's the other? What's the Anglican? British? Anglican. Golly, I've been out of the game too long. Yeah. So the Archbishop of Can- of Canterbury is like the Pope of the Catholics, but he is of the um, Anglicans. And that whole the, that came to be because Henry VIII wanted a divorce that the Pope would not give him. Ooh, so he said, do. "F the Pope. Let me make my own, so and I'll make the Pope the Bishop of Canterbury." Yeah. Um, so he was just uh, conducting this service uh, as Queen Elizabeth II was um, lying in state, and he quoted a very famous passage about heaven, where Jesus says, "I go to prepare a place for you." Mm-hmm. Where there are what many mansions mm-hmm. and I forget the reference. Somebody Google it. Um, yeah, there are many rooms in my father's mansion. There's lots of there's lots of metaphors about mansions. Jesus has lots of one. This is why I said right. in one of these episodes, most of our heaven theology is built off one off verses. Okay, but like if your if your view of heaven is this heavenly earth that accounts for the progression of human innovation and design and whatever, everything that humanity has progressed since, you know. When what God will continue to teach us in progress. Sure, sure. Where's my mansion? Do I live in this house? Bro, I don't think you're actually going to have a mansion. Oh, Jesus was lying. No, I think Jesus is speaking in parables and metaphors like he always does. Well, so where will I live? Do I need a structure? I'm not sure. See, we don't know nothing. Well, listen, why do you feel like you need a living structure? To protect. Okay, great question, because I need to be protected from the elements. Stop. Okay, great. Okay. Okay, protection. And sleep. Oh, and I don't need those things anymore. If you're no longer vulnerable. I'm just going to be naked in the woods. Living your best life. My wife is sitting on the other side of the camera. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> She's no, getting a kick out of this. Mess. I think. I think. I don't think there's any real mansions. I don't. I don't think that's it. No, I do. No. Are there pearly gates? I don't know why heaven needs gates. That's stupid. I do think that there Agreed. will be a very real temple. I do think. Will it be located in like the geographical region of Palestine that currently no exists? No idea. Well, not my. What, not my question. That's certainly what multiple but, major religions believe. Well, and that is why they're fighting over that land. Exactly. Um, and so I do think there will be a very real temple. I do think that. Why? Um, because I do think there is an essence of being, and might might it be what Paul Tillich has called the ground of being? Look at you, a supreme deity that needs a house. Um, and so I do think that will exist. I do think it will be a joining of the two covenants as revelation 21 and 22 suggests. I think the way in which that happens, nobody fucking knows. Nobody knows. Uh, but I do think there will be a very real temple. I think that will probably have gates. Do um, you think that the physical Jesus will reside in that temple? Nope. I think the physical Jesus will reside in the same way we've seen him reside through the Gospels, in, as a preaching nomad. So Jesus is going to walk around the earth a lot. And talk to a whole lot of people he's been waiting a whole lot of time to talk and to. And apparently drink beer with you. Oh, he will definitely drink beer with me. And then, I'm sure, after a while, Jesus will turn me into a wino. 
Oh my gosh. He's going to convert you to wine. I think so. I How think- do you get wine and beer in the heavenly state where there is no death or decay? What about death or decay happens from wine? And Fermentation, beer? my guy. Wine specifically. It's a grape juice, bro. It's decay. Oh, so there is no alcohol in heaven. No, there's absolutely alcohol in you heaven. Gotta, it's got to decay. Literally, death is a good thing when you're making wine. This is reciprocity. This is what I'm telling you. Oh, my God. We're back to the same conversation from before. This is about reciprocity. If things are happening to bring about life, then it's not death. You need a different category for cellular death. Okay, okay, okay. Cellular death is different. So in the new heaven, in the create, in the, uh, what you call it? Heavenly earth. There is still death and decay it just has a purpose of bringing forth life. See, I'm hung up on the same question again that we were on last episode. Which is what death is? Yeah, if you're going to drink wine with Jesus, those grapes had to decay to the point of fermentation so that you can drink, so, so that it can be wine. Yeah. So that's reciprocity. So that death is okay. That death is not the Well, enemy. it's in the same way that you would make tea. You would dry tea out and like kill a tea. Kill, kill a tea. Like, <laughs> like you would kill a tea leaf. What about the passage tea? in Revelation that says that we're going to eat like fatty meats and uh, no? Like, I I do think that everyone will go back to being vegetarian. So that, I think that I think that holistic being death will cease to exist. So animal lives are valued, but not plant lives. Well, I am. I if you didn't know, I did my master's thesis. Adam, you are. For this is 45 minutes long. This is hey, look, I asked you nobody's going to gonna, nobody's gonna listen to this. You can hit pause uh, and come back to us tomorrow morning when you're in the shower. Um, look, I think. What did you ask me? <laughs> you asked me a question and I had a so good. So you the vegetarian thing because you're like. Oh, well, no, no, no. I, yeah. So I did my master's thesis on Clement of Alexandria. And if you didn't know, it's a whole thing. But he was a, a, like a Christian Platonist. Like you, what you got to understand is that these people after Jesus, after Jesus ascends, these people literally get in a circle in a room. This is what the book of Acts tells us. These people get in a circle in a room and look at each other and go, what the fuck do we do now? For like 30 days or whatever. Yeah. And they're praying, they're casting lots. They're looking for God and fate and anything to create a religion. Uh That uh the book of Acts is constantly telling us Uh that they are trying to stay within the vein of Judaism. Krista said, I'm I'm done with this. And Judaism is constantly kicking them out. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so as they go through this journey, they are trying to create a religion. Okay. And as they are trying to do that, they are pulling from any and every source that they can come up with to try to make sense Uh or communicate their truths. Clement of Alexandria is one of those guys in the third century, around 200 to 220. Um, and he is a Christian Platonist. And Plato believed in a tripartite soul. Mm-hmm. And what he meant by that was that there were three tiers to the soul. Mm-hmm. Humanity was the premier, like the ultimate existence of the soul that you could achieve outside of the forms. Like outside of the form, the epitome of a soul, humans were the epitome of that soul. The next experience of epitome of that soul was in mammals, specifically in mammals. Mammals, because we are also mammals. Well, part of it was because they were a lesser version of us. There are some mammals that have, you know, 
Opposable thumbs. Opposable thumbs. Gorillas. There are mammals that look like us. There are mammals that procreate like us. Yep. Sex was a huge part of this for Plato. Yes. Um, Apparently chimpanzees. We're very close to chimpanzees. Yes. And then there was a third tier of the soul. Trees. Vegetation and plant matter. And it was all, and his grounding premise was that it's because they all breathe. But you're okay with us eating plants in heaven, but not animals. Everybody's got to eat something. And plants, the entire plant. Why do I have hunger? Stop. The entire plant <laughs> does not die when you eat it. Oh, in the, the same way that you kill an animal, okay. the entire being right. dies. Right. Holistic being death right. cannot exist. Cellular death, right. partial death in the way that it promotes reciprocity and enjoyment of beauty. Gotcha. Yeah, sure. So I can still have cow's milk. I just can't have cow's beef. And I think you can still have tea sure. and fire Boy. to make tea, but you can't have... No, you cannot have... You won't get to have hamburgers anymore. Well, you've converted me. I want to go to heaven now for the vegetarian cuisine. Well, I don't. I'm actually got beef with God about that. No, beef with God? This guy, I tell you. Thanks for listening to the Pints and Perspectives podcast hosted by Wellhouse Church. Be sure to give us a rating and a review if you enjoyed the episode. It's free and it helps us immensely. Also, feel free to check out our other podcasts.